Uh, we're celebrating uh, Treasures of the Heart, and we're going to be uh, having Tim Laudibaudier share with us pretty soon. Uh, one of the fine young men of this church grew up in this church. Uh, and as I've been thinking about this Treasures of the Heart, uh, this passage keeps coming to me. I want to read it to you. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. They didn't have safety deposit boxes in those times. They hid things. But he happened to find one in a field, and in his joy, he went and sold all he had, and he bought the field. You get it? He found a treasure. He doesn't want anyone to know he found it. Must have been worth quite a bit. So he goes and sells everything to buy the field that contains it. What he really wants, he didn't really want the field. He wanted the treasure. Then another story, just almost like it, Jesus tells them back to back. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, I think of some of the diamonds that have come out of Africa, huge diamonds. Here he found one of great value. We get the term, a pearl of great price. He went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Why did Jesus tell these two parables? He was saying, I have come and offer a kingdom and a king to you. I'm the king of the kingdom of heaven. I'm offering that to you. I'm offering myself as a savior, as a king. And he said, if you could see, he said, most people, the treasure is hidden from their view. They can't see it. They've never found it. So when you talk about Jesus Christ, you talk about sacrifice, service, loving him, adoring him, uh, they say, I don't get it. I don't. No, you don't, because you haven't seen him yet. You haven't tasted of him yet. And he's saying here, once you discover this treasure, Jesus, the pearl of greatest price, there's nothing you wouldn't do to give up all you have just to have him. He's the treasure of all treasures. What does it take to have this treasure? Well, you got to see him. Only God can open your eyes, and Satan works full-time to keep you blind to how magnificently wonderful Jesus is. He's, he's great at polishing his apples without telling you there's poison in them. He's a great salesman. We cannot sell Christianity as good as the devil can sell sin. The world's a lot better at selling sin than we are at selling salvation. You see, because it's not for sale. It's a free gift. Now, we've been in a thing, we've been talking about money uh, because we pay for buildings. We've been in these buildings, the two buildings, for 28 years. 
And our buildings get used about seven times a week, sometimes three times a day. So thousands of people a year use these facilities, thousands. We paid over $100,000 last year in janitorial expenses. You know why? You're a lot of work to clean up after. <laughs> Just takes a lot of money. It bugs the daylights out of me. I, I, I'm not in uh, paying for janitors. I forget, I'm into missions. I'm in for getting the gospel out. Guess what? Just to be here it is not free. It just, it just, it just happens that way. Uh, ministry always costs. But the greatest gift God has costs you nothing. All, he has to be seen. He has to be valued. The psalmist says he has to be tasted. And once you've tasted him, he said, taste and see the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And I think something we want to remember, Paul said, the God of this age is blinding the minds of unbelievers that they may not see the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus. And he says, this glory is like God stepping out in creation and saying, let there be light. It was a divine moment when God made every one of us in this building that have seen Christ. It was a divine creative act. It was a miraculous act. And then Paul says, and of all things, I who am simply a vessel, and he used the word, the garbage can of the household. I am but a clay pot that you usually put garbage in. God has put the treasure in. Other words, every believer in this place is a treasure container. And we contain the message of the gospel. And the message of the gospel, this is what I think you're going to miss. If you only know the information of the gospel, you'll never be saved. Because the gospel introduces you to a person, not just to three historical facts. Know all day that he came. Know all day that he died. Mel Gibson knows that. Know all day he was buried. So what? History says that. Josephus knows it. Unbelieving Jew. But he knows it. The Roman Empire knows it. They've never found Christ's body. You can know the facts all day. But not until those facts introduce you to the person of the facts will you be his. The facts lead to, you see, I, I've read a lot of books in my life, but I've not met the author of most of them. These facts lead you to the author. They lead you to the person of the facts. They lead to a personal relationship. And Jesus becomes the treasure of your heart. If you know Christ, is he the treasure of your heart? Uh, I ask this question, what is Jesus worth to you? I was watching with some of my grandsons and one of the young men last night. I'm not ashamed about the killing of the kids at Columbine High School and a girl that became a Christian and could not deny with a gun in her head that she knew Jesus. Cost her her life. Could you ever stand up to that test? Deny him or it's over. Thousands 
thousands and millions of Christians have died at stakes in lion den. We have been slaughtered, hunted, hid in caves, war animals, because I am not ashamed of the treasure I have found. He is no cheap Christ. He is God's best. And I'm amazed. You know, there's a lot of people, they call them the duns and the nuns. I'm done with church. I'm gone. And the nuns, I don't want. It's a rocket because they've never seen Jesus, the treasure of God. And I want to tell you what we're really about in this place is we contain a message about the treasure. And God wants to put not garbage in you. He wants to put the treasure the pearl of great price. He puts you right in your heart. And our bodies that were made uh, and have been turned into vessels of sin and the garbage of this world, all of a sudden God says, I'd like to put my son in you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power may not be of ourselves, but of God. And so we are really after by faith. You just admit, I'm poverty-stricken. I thought of these words from the hymn that said, Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, you will receive. You will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because your promise, I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. I pray that all of our monies will ultimately go to people discovering the treasure. The real treasure, I don't care if you can come to a banquet or see a campaign and you don't have a spare dime, I'll tell you what you have. You've got something money can't buy if you know Jesus. He's the treasure of all treasures. You want to know him. You want to know him. Several years ago, I, I only wish my brother Paul was here because he made a great impression on Tim. Uh, he's dressed to knock you out, I understand. Uh, Chuck and Catherine had him dressed up. I forget, he probably was four or five years old, young, very young. Anyone that knows my brother Paul would break your knuckles just shaking the hands. And uh, he had a way, and he paid special attention to this little boy named Tim. Well, in time, God saved Tim. In time, he did, I think, two tours of duty in the Marines in uh, Afghanistan and saw heavy Army combat uh, now in law enforcement. But during those times, uh, because I know his father very well and his mother, and his mother would not let you forget how great a son, the only child she ever had. And uh, I remember her working in the office, and they would get a letter from the boy on the front in Afghanistan And guess what would be in all the letters? Dear Mother, please be sure the check is put in the offering. I still believe in Valley. 
It's where I came to know Christ. And he kept sending his checks from Afghanistan. And uh, he's been asked to give a testimony of how he's found God to be so faithful and true uh, in this matter of giving, honoring the Lord first. He wants Tim to come, and he knows how to pick a good woman. Julie, you got to stand with him. So, Julie, you come and stand. Come on, Tim. Pastor, for allowing me to speak this morning. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege. Um, Julie and I were picked to be part of the leadership team for the Treasures of the Heart campaign. It's our new stewardship campaign, which will be kicking off here uh, in the month of June. The banquet this evening is all about that. And so Pastor Larry Howard asked us to be a part of the leadership camp, uh, team. And first, I, I want to thank Pastor for allowing us to speak this morning. I want to thank Pastor Larry for picking us. Uh, we consider it an honor and a privilege. We were chosen for this assignment for two reasons. Uh, first is we give, and the second is we're young. Um, Larry told me he wanted a young family represented, a family who isn't well-established in the world's eyes, who doesn't have a nest egg to fall back on, who truly has been living and giving in faith. My favorite verse is Matthew 6, It says, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I love that verse. It gives me direction, motivation, and peace. It's short and straightforward. Obey God, trust God, and he'll provide all your needs. And knowing it and living it has served me well thus far in life. I've now been a part of three stewardship campaigns, each one very different from the last for me. In 2012, I got to experience my first stewardship campaign as an adult, Mission Possible. I'd seen my parents be a part of many of them as a child, but it was my first experience as an individual. At that time, I was going to school. I was working two part-time jobs. Um, Julie and I were dating. Uh, we'd been dating for a couple years at that point, and I knew I wanted to marry her. We hadn't talked about it, and she may not have known it, but I knew. Um, and I had dreams. I wanted a house, I wanted kids, I wanted the whole nine yards. Um, so when it came time to make a commitment to this three-year campaign, I, I had a few things to consider. At that time, I didn't really have much disposable income. I also didn't have very much savings. I didn't really have any expenses at the time either, so that worked out for that, that moment in life. <laughs> but I did have those dreams and those plans, marriage and kids, marriage, kids, and a home. I knew that was expensive, but I believed it was what God wanted for me, so I believed he would provide for me. Honestly, I don't remember what I committed to that first campaign, but I do remember that I committed to give more the second year than the first year and more the third year than the second, stepping out in faith, believing that God was gonna provide a job for me that would allow me to fulfill my commitment, and he surely did. In 2015, I was a part of Giving Today, Investing Tomorrow. At that point, Julie and I were married. Uh, we had no children, we were both working. We were renting a cozy one-bedroom home. Uh, we had done well in the previous campaign. We fulfilled our commitments with ease. God had blessed us mightily. Julie had had a couple of promotions in her job, and I had just begun the police academy, which had essentially doubled my wages. Since God had blessed us so much, we wanted to give more. He, he said if we would give it, he would supply it. So we prayerfully looked at our finances, thought about what we believed the future held for us, and committed it to another three years, where we would increase our giving each year, 
believing that God would increase our ability to give each year. Shortly thereafter, Julie became pregnant and stopped working to stay at home and raise our, our beautiful daughter, Vivian. But as that happened, we lost about a third of our income. And as the campaign went on, it became harder and harder to make ends meet. When we started, we had two incomes and very few expenses. And by the end, we only had the one income and many more expenses, as many of you parents understand. Children are expensive. <laughs> However, we believe that God had planned this all out. So we continued to give as we had committed, trusting God. And there were some speed bumps, excuse me, some bumps along the road, some speed bumps too, but uh, there were some bumps along the road and some unexpected expenses, replacing engines and vehicles and various other things that happen in life. And honestly, at times we got stretched a little thin. Our faith that God would provide got tested, and our commitment to give sacrificially became real. But we, we, we prayed, and we trusted God, and he came through, as he always does. And as of this past Sunday, we have paid off our commitment to the Invested Campaign, and we praise God for that, because we wouldn't have been able to do it on our own. And it would have been easy for us to give up because it got too hard, or to stop giving altogether because we fell behind, or to be upset with God and blame Him because we didn't get all that we wanted, all that we had hoped for, all that we had planned for. But we trusted Him. We gave Him our first fruits and we believed that he would make our leftovers last, and he surely did. We didn't miss a month's rent. We didn't miss any meals. We paid off most of our debts. And in 2017, we began paying for Julie to go to school full-time. And God has been good to us and taken good care of us. Now we come to 2018, Treasures of the Heart, and we find ourselves still renting that tiny one-bedroom home with a two-year-old daughter. We've been actively looking for a home for two years with no luck. Julie's got one year left of school, and and we're hoping to have more children when she graduates. So what do we do? What do we commit to? Will we be paying rent or a mortgage? How many children will we be supporting? Will we have one income or two or none? What does God want from us? That was my question to God over and over a couple weeks back when we did our 12 hours of prayer. What do you want from us, God? What do you want? Second Samuel 24, 24 says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. When pastor preached on this earlier in the year, it rang true to my ear, and the Holy Spirit kept that verse fresh in my heart throughout the months. And I know now what God wants from us. God is calling for us to give to him sacrificially, joyfully, and in faith. And I trust that if I'm obedient to that calling, he will provide. He will provide for me and my family what we need. That gives me motivation. It gives me confidence, and it gives me peace. So my challenge to you is this. Are you sacrificing anything to be obedient to God? Who are you trusting? Are you trusting in yourself? Or are you trusting in God to meet your needs? I hope that our testimony has been encouraging to you and give you something to think about, pray about with your, your family and your, loved, and your loved ones this evening. I thank the pastors for allowing me the opportunity to speak before you, and I praise God for help, helping Julie and I complete our commitment that we would have a testimony to share with you. I hope to see many of you this evening at the banquet, and I thank you for your continued support of Valley Bible Church. Thank you, Pastor.